Hello and welcome to 99 from 99, the movie podcast where we take you back to the past and cover 99 films or more from the year 1999. I'm your stubborn Kentuckian host, Michael Denniston, joined every week by madman of the airwaves, Ben Zook. Why take a journey to the past? Well, perhaps like you, we've looked out our window and seen the world grow smaller, colder, and scarier. Not here. So sit back, relax, and come back with us to a time when theaters were full, tickets were affordable, and there were so many good movies, you couldn't possibly catch them all. That's what this podcast is here to do. So we hope you take the entire trip with us, 99 episodes on the films from 1999. you to hit me as hard as you can i'm scared to close my eyes i see dead people i believe you have my papler now that i've met you would you object to never seeing me again this is not just a couch it's just our couch take the red pill and i show you how deep the rabbit hole goes leave the light on after bedtime I always thought it'd be better to be a fake somebody, a real nobody. Are we gonna air it? Of course not. Two small-time cons on the lam were running out of options until they came across a very unusual getaway vehicle. David, somebody stole our dumpy camper. But no one is looking for a pageant-producing couple in happy Texas. You must be the pageant people. I'm Stephen. I'm the other one. David. David. Hi, David! Now, to hold on to their freedom. Why can't we do the bank now? It's our alibi. Can't rob a bank if we're hosting a beauty pageant, can we? These guys... One, two, three! ...will do just about anything. Go! Okay! And in the process, they discover... Smoke? Nothing. You can find happiness in the strangest places. Give me the meanest steak you got. And I mean where? Just dehorn it, slap its butt, and send it in. Happy Texas. Got my weight in my hip. Weight in my hip. All right. And and thus, our Jeremy Northam watch uh, has concluded, Michael Dennison. This is our final Jeremy Northam film for this podcast. Promise? Uh, Please, God. Probably forever. Uh, although, <laughs> although I may force you to rewatch Gosford Park and podcast oh, about it someday. Uh, but yeah, it's funny. These things that you find out doing this, this way that, that, uh, uh, we ended up watching five Jeremy Northam movies. Uh, <laughs> We're the only, without me the only to. people on the planet to be doing that in 2019, five in one year. No way. Well, well, well I always heard about casting directors talking about like, uh, certain stars being overexposed and everything and how it was a real... And I always kind of like rolled my eyes and kind of thought, you know, like, oh yeah, oh, that's a real big problem for, mm-hmm. you know, you rich yeah. uh, people. Uh, but but boy, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm, I think we've seen like him play every emotion, you know, possible. Uh, <laughs> everything he's got. Everything he's got. Out there. I mean, you know. So uh, yeah, what'd I you think of Happy say- Texas? Well, I can't say that's a pleasant surprise uh, because uh, all I knew about this was it was like, uh, I guess, infamous uh, for being associated with like, you know, the sort of the Sundance curse of uh, Mm -hmm. a lot of money being spent 
at the festival and then completely tanking uh, once it's released to, uh, I guess, the normies of the world. Although, um, as you sort of teased in the last episode, if you look at Wikipedia, this is mentioned as a, a cult classic. Not only that, a uh, positively reviewed film that was a box office hit mm-hmm. and is now a cult classic. And I'm like, box office hit? Wasn't this like, yeah. didn't they just... <laughs> just burn a bunch of money on this and of course they're counting the budget not what was spent to acquire it and distribute it and advertise and all that uh but in all that total misrepresentation yes i mean uh we we probably have the power if we want to get on and edit this (laughs) wikipedia page (laughs) if we want to do (laughs) we want to spend more of our lives uh on exerting effort on on happy texas okay (laughs) So. so All I knew about it was Steve Zahn was in it. I know it was some sort of financial disaster and Steve Zahn was in it. And I really like him. And even on this, you know, this now infamous Wikipedia page, uh, the poster they're using is just his face, his face alone, uh, with a big handlebar mustache and, uh, handcuffs. And I did not know, I knew it was about a couple of guys, uh, escaped from a chain gang, but I didn't know that it was going to be Mr. Northam was the other one. And I audibly groaned. When I saw him appear, just because he just, this is just not, this is not a layup of casting to pair. Like who, who would be the best guy in a buddy road comedy with Steve Zahn? Uh, Jeremy Northam is not, not in any way, shape or form who I want to be like seeing share the screen with the great Steve Zahn. And they don't, they don't work in the, the film. I don't know if they changed it as they're filming it or if that was just always the, the way it was written, but um, you know, for a buddy comedy, these these two guys don't spend a whole lot of time together. Mm-hmm. Like they, <laughs> it's like watching a uh, you know a, a classic sitcom where it's like the A plot and the B plot, and uh, Jeremy Northam is like he's the heartthrob that's going to get uh, a pseudo romance with both uh, Ali Walker, who uh, runs this small small bank, and then uh, uh, a possible romance uh, with William H Macy as the sheriff, because Steve Zahn and Jeremy Northam are impersonating uh, this gay couple who have come to town or are supposed to come to town to uh, help organize this beauty pageant, which is also sort of a weird introduction there with the the, the original couple uh, sort of revels in the fact that they're campers stolen at a gas station so they don't actually have to go to happy texas um yeah i i was really just not enjoying this uh pretty much from the uh the first minute on and there were some things later on the film that i did like but the film sort of displays a disinterest in the things i guess i'm interested in so uh but i'm i am interested in you saying that you remembered enjoying it uh when we were teasing this episode initially so uh, is that held true, or are you uh, going to sort of admonish <laughs> your younger self now for I, for enjoying this on television? I think I've shown my cards a bit by being, you know, so negative uh, initially. <laughs> I mean, so yeah, I remember this is kind of sad for me because I do remember enjoying it and laughing at it. I think it's a movie that could play well if you came into it with zero expectations or no expectations at all, uh, and 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 we touched upon this with. Mumford a few weeks ago that in the late nineties, I think there was this period where a movie could just be, you know, so quirky and, and, and have so many likable characters and so much, you know, uh, quaintness to it that, that critics would kind of just roll over and, uh, you know, and not really criticize the, the story elements at all. And, and so starting with the story here, 
uh, I like, I like the gay couple, the original gay couple, uh, wanting to get rid of their camper. What I don't like is that Wayne and Harry here have no way of knowing that. So why, why Mm. do they assume that the, that the gay couple isn't going to show up in happy Texas? Well, like, I mean, whether it is go to the nearest Greyhound and, and go to happy Texas, you know what I mean? Like, like it just like that, uh, part does not make any sense. Uh, you would think that that would, (laughs) Uh, force them to flee even quicker to get out of there because yeah. they think someone's going to show up and reveal. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, I like William H. Macy here and I like uh, Steve Zahn, but so you touched upon it a bit. One of like one of the, one of the few things that gets a good laugh from me is Steve Zahn uh, 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 attacking Jeremy Northam and, and yelling at him for leaving him alone with the, with the kids, with the beauty pageant kids. And, and you're reminded that, oh, yeah, this is a rough, tough uh, prison inmate guy uh, who, you know, who, who, you know, who could violently attack Jeremy Northam uh, for this. Uh, but then what does the movie do? The very next scene, he is alone with the beauty pageant kids. And, and you know, Wayne's character has no reaction to that uh, at all. And, uh, and yeah, and so Jeremy Northam just kind of goes off and does his own thing. Uh, I was very surprised to find out that, uh, so they basically, from looking at the DVD and listening to the commentary and everything, they basically oh, reshot. God. I know you hate it when I do this, but it's, it's, you know, it, it's warranted no, I hate to bring it for up. you. Well, you, you, you were spending a, a, an evening listening to the commentary track 20 years later for Happy Texas. Is all. I, I played it at double speed. So, OK, <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. now Good for you. <laughs> but so basically they reshot like almost half this movie after its premiere at Sundance. So it, so it's kind of up to debate whether or not a lot of the positive reviews at Sundance, um, if they were reacting to the same cut by the time the movie was finally released. Uh you know, and and what's weird about it is the Allie Walker character in some of the deleted scenes and everything comes off as more of a human being uh, as having like real, you know, things that she's dealing with. And, and I find her far more relatable and likable. And they took all that out and just turned her in to kind of a nothing uh, character. And, and these scenes that her and Jeremy Northam have now are just so bland and forgettable and boring. Uh, and, and then, you know, by the time they get to the big third act finish here, uh, you know, there, there's a real chance for some comedy gold that, you know, these guys who know nothing about beauty pageants and, and dancing and all that have had to put together this pageant and, you know, it could, it be, it could be like a comedy of errors, but they just decide not to feature any of that. They decide to have this overly coked up, uh, third act, uh, action scene, that 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 is not very satisfying at all, and and I hate the I hate almost everything about the ending, about where how the characters end up where they are. The the yeah the two good things Steve Zahn and and William H Macy and and William H Macy has a pretty earnest uh, performance here. Uh, that, that you know I I hate what they do with the character later on, but. His performance itself is, you know, is, is decent. I mean, it's not like one of the best performances of his career or anything, but, but it was, you know, it's something I enjoyed seeing. Um, yeah, there's just, there, there aren't, there isn't enough comedy that lands, um, for me today. So, okay. To you. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I, I was much more interested in the, 
I, I guess I want this to be more like Mumford. Um, <laughs> and this way I <laughs> might have found it a little more forgivable because unlike Dr. Mumford there, uh, I would understand the, the plight and uh, the reasoning for uh, you know these two convicts on the run uh, trying to you know make a life for themselves. Um, I do really like the William H. Macy stuff. I think it's really sweet. I, mm-hmm. I think it's, uh, you know, it's, if I didn't know, like if I'm just looking at it from his character's eyes, I I would you know this, that's a rom com I want to see with them like this this guy that has presumably never had the opportunity uh, to express himself in that way before, um, and you're right they absolutely undercut it at the very end with uh, you know I guess slight spoilers for Happy Texas if <laughs> anyone cares with well, the Ron Perlman thing it's just. Mm-hmm. I, it gets into that territory where it's like, you know, we're like sort of like hyper sexualizing this guy and like r- making it sort of gross and just sort of crude uh, wh- where this was this sort of like, you know, it's not a genuine thing because we, we know that Jeremy Northam's character, uh, he's not gay and he's a con man. And this is just a front to, to sort of save his skin momentarily. Uh, but, it, you know, the way William H. Macy plays, it does seem genuine. Uh, so to turn that into a gag later on, even though it's sort of played as a happy ending with Ron Perlman's Marshall character coming into town, um, did not care for that uh, at all. And yeah, Steve Zahn, his, <laughs> um, you know, his intensity, I guess, is what gets him by. Like probably misplaced intensity, like because he's he's a small man, and like the so the the threat at the end of the film, this MC. Uh, Gainy character, um, you know, that like we're introduced to them, like where he's just clearly trying to fight someone that he can't beat, but it like it will not stop him. Like he, he has misplaced anger and sort of a <laughs> misplaced sort of version of himself, like how he's projected the world. So seeing this man become consumed and just like sort of place that intensity onto this beauty pageant, uh, it is funny, but yeah, I was like talking to my wife about it. And I'm like, and she, she was just in and out. Like she just mm-hmm. <laughs> did not care, but she's like, Oh, so how'd the, you know, what, how'd the pageant thing turn out? Like, you know, what's, you know, cause she knew the way that his character was going, like, Oh, he's really going to get into this and that that's going to be played for, for comedy. And I'm like, yeah, that's, it's weird. Like they kind of like introduce that element, but it's like, they don't actually want to have the follow through. It would be like, like little miss sunshine. If they just mm-hmm. didn't actually have the fucking, you know, talent at the end. They just just say, oh, we're not going to do that anymore. We're going to have a conversation with Steve Carell outside in the hallway and all that stuff's going on in the background. <laughs> um, so I'm like, what did the, the say? This is one time I'm actually really interested as much as I like start by making fun of you. <laughs> what was, what was reshot? What, what was the half that they got rid oh, of? Oh, I bet you'd like to know now. Dennison. <laughs> I am. I'm intrigued. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was mostly the Allie Walker scenes. Uh, she has better scenes in the deleted scenes on the DVD with Jeremy Northam, where she actually talks about her issues with uh, her previous relationship and everything. And you really get it. Like, like it's all, it's very similar to, I guess, Virginia Madsen's uh, role in sideways. You know, you, you really oh. sense that she's like a care. And it's funny now I'm praising sideways, which, you know, is not something I'm apt to do. Uh, but this movie has forced me to do that in terms of like, happy you know, Texas. Yeah. I'll do that to a man. <laughs> <laughs> and, and 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 the opening, I guess, is entirely different. Like it wasn't so action heavy as the one in. And I guess to me, it's like it, like you listen listening to the filmmakers talk about it. Uh, it. It's frustrating because they they have the totally wrong 
uh, focus in mind here, and and they're focusing on the gags and the uh, you know spectacle of it, and just completely sidestepping the the character humor, uh, which 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 in parts of this movie actually works. There's a really uh, decent scene in the middle where Jeremy Northam comes home after a long night of dancing with Sheriff Chappie and, and Steve Zahn is, you know, like the typical uh, uh, neglected housewife and, and, you know, there's some funny lines there and everything, you know, more of that, more of that. And you would, you know, you would have a memorable movie. And, and I guess I look at it and it's like, oh, we have the, like this, this idea of, oh, we've had this movie that, that uh, won Sundance and everyone loved it. Now let's reshoot half of it. Like, I don't really get, I don't really get where the thought process is uh, there. Uh, you know, either a movie works or it doesn't. And I, and I, and I think the, they just shouldn't have fucked with it so much. Was it the Miramax influence though? I don't know. It's possible, but, but they, the filmmakers seem pretty happy about it. Like, Mm. <laughs> that's what I didn't get. Uh, uh, they, they, they seem to really not go to bat for the original, uh, scenes. Uh, and, and yeah, it, this is a pretty big dud considering that, that it was bought for $12 million or whatever, uh, an enormous number at the time. And, and, you know, could, you know, didn't make a third of that. So, um, you know, I, we've seen that a couple of times yeah. this year. Um, <laughs> Uh, Amazon, I think, has been the uh, oh, this year is in 2019. <laughs> yeah, uh, was it the late night um, with Emma Thompson and Mindy Kaling? Uh, I think I think it was like 14 million. I feel like uh, one just recently, Brittany runs a marathon. I think yep. was another one that had a big number. Now that's still not as big <laughs> as 12 million dollars 20 years ago <laughs> because they're buying it for like oh, this is something we can put on our streaming service and whatever it does theatrically. Who cares? Um, so yeah, this is, is this the, uh, like the most infamous or is there one that tops this as far I as I believe number? Hamlet two was like the, the biggest Sundance acquisition of all time. And then it just did nothing, but I could be wrong. Maybe late night is bigger. Um, but it is, it is funny because a lot of this has changed. A lot of, you know, a lot of those distribution deals are worked out ahead of ahead of time, you know, like, you know, Mindy Kaling and Emma Thompson make a movie. They, you know, they have an idea of where it's going. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's sort of, uh, it's, you know, they, they, it's really done for the headlines at this point, hoping that they can have sort of that little Miss Sunshine, uh, uh, effect, but you know, anyone with any sort of perspective, uh, business perspective can see that, you know, late night or Britney runs a marathon, we're not going to do those, you know, those kinds of numbers. Um, and, and with, with happy Texas, I guess, you know, I don't know. I don't know if this movie with this premise could, could have been a surprise hit in October of, of 1999. Uh, Roger Ebert certainly seemed to be going to bat for it in the review I read. And, uh, you know, he, he really seemed to like this quite a bit, all the quirkiness and, and, you know, the ensemble actors and everything. Tell you what, I could have told them then, 1999, uh, Jeremy Northam <laughs> is your co-lead that it ain't going to happen. It's just not, <laughs> it's just not, not going to work. And, uh, it's weird. I mean, it's weird to see. And I, another thing I disagree with this horrible Wikipedia page that they, uh, the reception, you know, they've got the 81% fresh, um, 
uh, Steve Zahn, uh, this is cited as his breakout film. And I'm like, what the, what? I mean, it, <laughs> it tanked like nobody, yeah, nobody saw yeah. what, and he was, he was in, you've got mail, like, you know, the, the year before, like it is a, a secondary supporting character, but this is a guy that was in reality bites. And it's like, you know, he, he was like a face that was in like much more successful films through the nineties. And so, oh, he finally got to be the, not even really the lead here. That, that's the other thing that bothers me. Like that, I almost like my distaste for Jeremy Northam is so much that I just wish this was about one guy doing all of this in the town. I wish it was one guy like, you know, trying to run this, this pageant and get these young girls up to snuff, uh, and then having a relationship with this, uh, beautiful banker. And then, uh, the, the very sweet William H. Macy, uh, I, I could cut out Jeremy Northam entirely here and make this just, just as Steve's on, uh, one man show. Yeah, I would like that more. Uh, and so going back to what you were saying about, you know, the, 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 the sort of revisionist history on, on uh, happy Texas here, probably it's probably the director himself, like, you know, going in there and changing it. Um, <laughs> so I have a rule that I follow that when I'm searching for a movie on Amazon prime or whatever, if I see it, if I see it called described as a cult classic in its summary, then I skip it because I think there really are only like 10 to 15 actual cult classics and the rest of them are just movies that didn't do very well and they're trying to save face uh, and, and make them sound like more than, than what they are. Uh, mm. Rocky Horror Picture Show, that's a cult classic. Office Space, Idiocracy, those are cult classics. Um, yeah, uh, Drop Dead Gorgeous, uh, Happy Texas, even Dick, as much as I love it, even <laughs> Dick, you know, they're not really cult classics. Yeah, it does seem to be a catch-all that's like, well, someone liked it. And it's like, well, <laughs> by that rationale, like, you know, every everything is going to have some sort of audience, some sort of defenders out there. Uh, or just, you know, I don't even mean to be dismissive. People who legitimately like Drop Dead Gorgeous. I know when we did that episode, I was sort of like aghast that there were this, you know, that there could be a large number of people, like my neighbors and coworkers and friends who like secretly have been like, <laughs> loving drop dead gorgeous for two decades. But I do realize that there are some people out there that's like, they're going to like that. And I don't, but yeah, that's that. Uh, I guess I've not developed uh, this distaste for it up to this point, but happy Texas may get me on board with your uh, hatred of the words cult classic here. Um, I, I, I still just can't get over Steve's on citing this as his breakout film to like superstardom. I just can't deal with it. Um, should we move on to Mystery yes, Alaska? I think so. Because I don't think <laughs> I don't think I'm going to have any of those issues with the Wikipedia page for that one. I, I don't know. I, I I could be shocked, but I, I doubt there's going to be as much. Um, you know, I don't I don't think uh, that David E. Kelly or Jay Roach uh, probably got on there and gave two shits to like really uh, retroactively make this film look better or look like it was received more positively because well, this one. Uh, Jay Roach uh, just one, Jay Roach just has better things to do than you know update the Wikipedia page for. Mystery Alaska, uh, unlike uh, Mark Isler or whatever his name is. We can't hold Stevie Weeks back any longer. But you'll be first alternate, of course. John, every ex-player turned coach says they prefer coaching to playing. Because they can't play. What do you want this time? I come bearing the New York Rangers. 
The New York Rangers? In, in Mystery Alaska. To play against our boys. The NHL feels it'll be great publicity. I don't want to hear another word about a hockey game. We talked about this. Oh, forgive me, Your Honor. I'm fat. We're playing these guys? I'm not beaten. Anybody here tired? No. Do not give these guys too much respect. We're in this game. 43 seconds. And then the rest of your lives, you own that time. Like we said, folks, this is a small town. The town's grocer is their best scorer. Their fastest guy is a high school kid. And the captain is the town's sheriff. Mystery Alaska. I play hockey and I sleep around because these are the two most fun things in cold weather. Yeah, uh, this one... Budget twenty eight million, box office uh, just under nine, um, and I don't I don't think this one was critically well received either. I, actually, I'll just be honest, Mystery Alaska. Maybe it's you know being Kentucky. I don't think you're going to be any help uh, being in Vegas. Um, I you know we don't have like a huge hockey culture here, so this one uh-huh. I had zero interest well, in. Well, wait, wait, younger. we have a huge cult- hockey culture now. I just haven't gotten around to following it yet uh, with the Las <laughs> okay. Vegas Golden Knights. <laughs> All right. So on this show, on 99 from 99, <laughs> and certainly 20 years ago, uh, I doubt either one of us was excited about uh, you know Jay Roach directing a, a hockey comedy. So this one I, I knew almost zero about other than like, oh, I think it's that hockey movie. Uh, but it fit with our, our, uh, our premise here of two films on the same day uh, named after a town. Uh, so do you have any experience at all with uh, Mystery Alaska before watching it for this podcast? No, not none at all. Just that I remember I remember it being a disappointment and and kind of thinking, oh, yeah, that looked, you know, too general, too typical to really stand out. Uh, you, you know, we, I mean, we sports move. We started this podcast of a sports movie, uh, Varsity Blues, which definitely had unique marketable elements that, you know, that obviously could make that you could make that movie into a bigger hit than this. The, the thing that I was struck, uh, you know, by surprise on right off the bat, it, you know, it's like the first line, I think, is that we hear like a five year old uh, use the F word. Uh, or something. And, and that continues. We, you know, this is a, uh, surprisingly hard R, uh, uh, rated, uh, uh, drama, uh, comedy or whatever. And a lot so, more sex. And I was anticipating. Yeah. There's given some sex. It's, yeah. You know, <laughs> it's very cold, I assume. And everyone should be bundled up, but you know, it doesn't stop them. They, they, they do try to, uh, to, to make sure to get that in there. And I, I was putting it on uh, David E. Kelly. I don't, I don't know if that's just, you know, he, he likes to have like, you know, sex in his sort of comedies. I know that was sort of a thing with Ally McBeal, I guess, around this time period. Um, but yeah, I, I maybe I was just misguided the, by the the sports film aspect of it. And it's a small town. I was like, oh, this is going to be something you could play right after like October Sky. And uh, yeah, the, the premature ejaculation sequences and the uh, foul language. I'm like, okay, so not that kind of movie. Um, well, you've definitely upticked the you know desire for people to see uh, this movie now, uh, it is sex filled, full of swear yeah, words. <laughs> I'm, I'm probably still misleading them as far as the entertainment <laughs> value of it. Um, okay. That's, I mean, who, who is this m- movie for? Like, why was, why was <laughs> Jay Roach given $28 million to, so, to, to make this look? Okay. I get the sense you're going to be pretty negative on it. 
I think what happened here is that it's a case of a studio probably being way more excited about a script than, than they should have been. And they probably thought they had a real gem here. And that's the only way I can explain the, you know, the hard R, the, um, the, the length that it, 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 it's just under two hours uh, long. Um, and, and even the cameos that we see here from like little Richard and Mike Myers, which, you know, they probably got Mike Myers for, uh, you know, for scale and all that, but it probably wasn't that cheap. And, and they do have Russell Crowe here post LA confidential. So it's pre gladiator, but post LA confidential. So he's, you know, still, you know, becoming a name. Uh, and this is a breakout year for him with, with the insider. And, and, you know, I, for all in all, all in all, I had an enjoyable time with it. There, there are scenes that, that I don't think work there. There are subplots that I think they could have easily dropped. Um, but you know, all in all, I, I enjoyed myself. I, I see exactly why it bombed, uh, at the time. Uh, but, uh, you, you know, I don't think it plays to uh, coming off of happy Texas. This was refreshing <laughs> coming off of happy Texas. This was really boring to me. Uh, <laughs> I think I will take, I will take the, uh, the sort of like, what are you doing agitation uh, of happy Texas more so than the, I don't know. It's like the, the choices that are made here, uh, like there's never like any surprise as, as far as like the, the sports element or the, the small town element. Like we sort of led with the surprise, like, Oh, it's radar. But then after you get beyond that, like, you know, you uh, Burt Reynolds, uh, the sort of cantankerous old coach who, uh, sort of negs, <laughs> negs his team into like doing well, negs the town people into like sort of uh, trying to prove themselves. Um, the, the, you know, the, the old guy that's, that's, you know, he's just past his prime uh, with Russell Crowe uh, going for one more shot and like the sort of flashy kid. I, I, I don't, uh, you know, you bring up varsity blues is even worse because <laughs> it's like now there, there's a, like a sex comedy sports film that I can get behind. Like that's, I don't know if I'm more forgiving of this type of thing when it's about people who have, you know, things to look forward to after their life. Like, you know, it's like, it puts sports in that perspective that it's just a game and putting it in the hands of middle-aged men tinges it with a, bit more sadness and I guess desperation than I'm comfortable with, uh, as for like a sort of toothless, uh, you know, sports melodrama that we get here. I, I, I don't know, like, like I'm, I'm obviously rooting for them to, to beat the sort of faceless professional, you know, the New York Rangers that are coming to town. Uh, but I also, you know, I, I find it kind of tragic that this Saturday <laughs> game in a small town is like, really all that these people have to like talk to each other about like there's <laughs> nothing else like so much so that these this uh you have the uh is it ron eldred is that the actor's name from ron PR? eldred who you you will remember from classics uh such as <laughs> house of sand and fog uh <laughs> other things i'm sure um, deep impact deep right. impact there you go yeah well, he's the. Uh, you I know, think he's, he's actually. I think he's actually. You know, for an actor who I think a lot of the problems you know he had later in his career with being miscast. I think he's kind of perfectly cast here as this. Really, you know, as the town. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I buy that. I buy that. 
He's not really, he's not presented as a Lothario. He's just presented as someone with no scruples, no morals, who will kind of sleep with anything. And I buy that, you know. Uh, I, I, you <sighs> know, it's more enjoyable. I, it's more enjoyable than I think you're giving it credit for. It, there's I a want, lot of cliches, a lot of cliches here. But, but for example, for example, though, early on, there's a good scene where uh, the sheriff, played by Russell Crowe, has been downgraded on the hockey team. But, but uh, you know, part of his duties of sheriff, he goes and he responds to a call about a kid who, you know, fired a, a gun in a convenience store. And, and the, the, the kid is, is still so wrapped up in, uh, in the sheriff being downgraded on the hockey team that he, that he tells him, I'm so sorry uh, for what happened. And Crowe has to remind him, you just shot a man. Um, you know, that's a very funny scene. I wish that subplot had ended there, though. But, but you know, I think they, they sort of are aware that this town is taking this a little too seriously and at the same time kind of going with it. Uh, and, and maybe that provides for kind of an uneven mixture. Uh, whereas in, yeah, in contrast to Varsity Blues, at the very end of Varsity Blues, you hear James Vanderbeek's character say, uh, you, you know, basically describe why it was just a game, why it was just a very isolated uh, thing that didn't really have much of an impact on the rest of their lives, uh, aside from, you know, the nostalgia and personal fulfillment and everything. Uh, this movie doesn't have quite the same amount of introspection, but the characters and uh, the situations are enjoyable enough, enjoyable enough for me to, to recommend it. It's really boring. It's a boring <laughs> movie. <laughs> <laughs> now I already mentioned the, uh, you know, the uh, pre ejaculation sequence, which is, I guess I the most like riveting. That. I like that scene. I was about to say it's the most riveting thing to happen. Cause I'm like, first of all, I'm just like impressed, like at the, uh, what I presume be like, the the temperature the, the extreme cold that they're in as they're driving a snowplow and that's the sequence that we we have and i i was very disappointed that we didn't go back to that for like you know round two or to see how these people like <laughs> you know if we're gonna have this sort of soap opera like element uh when you introduce the the sexual aspects of it um i i want to see some some follow-through with that and you know when you were talking about ron elder like being the not necessarily the town Lothario, but like I, I felt like you're casting like say a Ron Eldred in this this role as opposed to like Jeremy Northam because oh, uh, you have that's defanged. just what we needed. That's just what we needed was to have. I tell you what, I I would much <laughs> since I really just did not like uh, Mystery Alaska. I would I would I would sacrifice uh, Jeremy Northam onto the pile, throw him in here, pull Ron Eldred out, put him in Happy Texas uh, in that role, and I probably would have you know I, I think we would have won out uh, with that little switcheroo. Uh, but my, my point was by having it be Ron Eldred, who is not a bad looking guy, but he's not someone that you would be you would assume to be playing that part um, like like. Uh, but this is small town. This is a you know small town. Let's that's where everyone knows like, each uh, other. There aren't that many options. You know, I could yeah. see how that could happen. Right. But like, think to like uh, beautiful girls, which I think is something that's a little. Bit, I don't think I've ever seen it. Was, oh, you've not seen it? Okay. Uh, I was about to say it's. I don't think that was a hit when it came out, but I feel like it's. Uh, it's developed more of an audience than certainly this. But it you know deals with, you know, guys who have hung around kind of too long and are dissatisfied with this. There's also a snowplow in that, so it came to mind. But you in that film you have uh, Matt Dillon playing the sort of town cocksmith and. 
So I felt by having it be Ron Elder that you're sort of defanging it a little bit so that it's not as painful for the guy because it's not, I don't know, it just doesn't seem as threatening. It's like he just seems like he plays it more like he's just bored and there's nothing else to do. Like, and not that he's uh, someone that revels in like other people's pain or like betraying them, betraying like his neighbors and such. So that's, I mean, that that's interesting there, but I don't know. I feel like I saw some of the reviews where, uh, you know, there were some some negative reactions because of the way the like it's sort of lack of interest in the hockey or the the hockey sequences. Not being a hockey fan, I didn't mm-hmm. care about that. I actually well, wanted to, to lean more into the soap opera stuff. I'll agree with them there. I mean, it the when it comes to the sports stuff, it's all very ba- pretty basic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I'm so the I guess the thing that I, always sticks out to me about sports movies is that the sportsmanship aspect of it is always played up as, as such a big deal uh, until it looks like the protagonists are about to lose. Mm. And then in which case, you know, it, like here, they, they convince little Richard to sing the uh, national anthem very slowly, uh, uh, you know, in order to, to make the New York Rangers, you know, freeze. Uh, is that how you want to win? That's what I want to ask. Is that how you want to win this game? I don't think so. That's, uh, you know, home ice advantage there. I guess I'm fine with that. Sure, but, then, but then all the townspeople holding up the newspaper when the New York Rangers come in. Like, you know, uh, this is the thing I, I like sports in general. The thing I don't understand. It's like, you know, why can't you just like be nice and root for both teams and, you know, be, you know. You're looking well, at it yeah. more as a uh, film fan. You're looking at it as far as the finished product. I want it to be yeah, as entertaining yeah. as possible. <laughs> you want to see the craftsmanship of it. But like, that's why I don't, I don't think the sports stuff works. Like the small town aspect works because like, yeah, like on the one hand, like I, I really hate that there's even a, like deliberation at the beginning of the film. Like, Oh, should we agree to have the New York Rangers come to our podunk town and play game hockey? And I'm thinking, well, yeah, why wouldn't you like, what, what are you talking about? Why is this even a debate? Like I, I had a hard time wrapping my head around the idea of this small town. Like, well, what if we lose? And the whole time I'm thinking like, well, of course you're going to lose. Like, it's like ridiculous to think that you even have a chance, but it's like just sharing the, you know, in this case, the ice, the field, whatever sport you're playing. I think most athletes would, you know, they would jump at the chance to, to play against the best, you know, in their field. Well, but that's sort of like a traditional, that's sort of like a traditional script thing is they have to have them kind of be reluctant about it at first. Otherwise it doesn't really feel earned. I think the script struggles to define who Hank Azaria's character is and why the town has this problem with him and everything. I think that's sort of touched upon, but not really elaborated to the point where it's convincing where I think things kind of, you know, there's the, the one subplot in here that I hate uh, the most that I think they could have just taken out entirely is the lawyer, uh, the, the, the uh, overweight lawyer, who uh spoiler alert for mystery alaska fair enough spoiler (laughs) alert for mystery alaska the the overweight lawyer who who has a heart attack you know and dies and then becomes sort of a martyr uh for the third act of the film uh you you know and and i I, yeah i didn't i I thought that was way too saccharine and melodramatic And, and and it is really weird how uh, Russell Crowe's eulogy for him, like the first thing he says is about him being fat. And it's just like, you know, <laughs> lot like David E. Kelly, I think must've been on a diet or something when he was writing this. Cause, cause earlier in the film, you have Hank Azaria calling Russell Crowe well-fed and, 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 you know, this is Crowe like, 
you know, at, at in peak physical shape. Uh, <laughs> like, I mean, I don't know what they would say about him now. Uh, <laughs> Mystery Alaska just full of not so nice people. So root against them. They're the villains of this, of this piece. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think, uh, you know, I, I, I feel like, you're you're giving this one the Mumford pass that I gave Mumford. I guess uh, so, yeah. Um, and I, I don't know why. I, I guess it's like you, you you catching just like a wave of that. It's not as pretend- It's Las not Vegas. as pretentious as Mumford. It doesn't reach for as high. Uh, you know, y- 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 it doesn't reach as high as Mumford did. Mum, you know, Mumford had too much going on uh, for for it. This is aiming to be an escapist sports drama. And in that regard, I, you know, I think it's fine. The you Failed know, many things I don't like, many things I don't like, but I would have liked the sex you know. robots being in mystery Alaska. Oh, if we could God. also remove that element and put it in here. Uh, cause what are they doing with their time when they're not at the Saturday game? Someone is coming up with that technology. I don't know. Just little, maybe, maybe this is one where you need to have an injection of quirk into this. Um, and yeah, less less uh, fat jokes. That would be that would be great. So also, before Jeremy North, no, <laughs> I don't think so. Too. No. Uh, <laughs> so before, I'm sure you're gonna hate. You know, I sure I'm sure you hated. You know him because you you hated him so much in his quintessential <laughs> role uh, as Austin Powers. But I'm uh-huh. I, you know I like those few little bits with Mike Myers in here. You know he gets a real good moment where where Hank Azaria you know, brings back the central question from the beginning of the movie. Do they have a chance? And Mike Myers gets a really good moment here of, of, of you know, a chance at what? And, and, <laughs> and, 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 you know, it's like, it's completely unthinkable to him that these people would even think they would, they would stand a chance against the New York Rangers and everything. And I found that, you know, little moments like that, you know, if the movie had had more of that, then it would have I actually think he should have know, been, been a, he should have been success. the Burt Reynolds part. I would have liked, uh, <laughs> That character as the coach, like if you if you're because both of them are just playing like grouches, like sort of you know the I know better than you, cantankerous uh, men uh, that are are hiding this sort of like you know this this <laughs> deep inside themselves this hope that it's like the underdog is going to pull it out like you know they they've not totally diminish that aspect of themselves. Uh, I would rather like lose this guy, lose this little bit, and actually just. Like, I don't really understand, like you, Hank Azaria, like other than him, like sort of introducing, hey, this is a thing we could maybe do. Like, I think I could make this happen. I really wish he wasn't in the movie anymore. I wish you he know, was just there for setup. I could understand that. That being said, I do kind of like the uh, the scene between him and Russell Crowe's uh, wife and how, you know, you think you're that's heading a certain way and then it doesn't. Uh, maybe it ultimately doesn't do <laughs> well, much for the film, but it is nonetheless an interesting married, choice. She's married to Russell Crowe, as you said. Yeah, she's going to give it all up and then go Hank for Hank Azaria for the voice of Apu. Uh, and for, uh, or he's, she's going to give it all up for Agador Spartacus from the birdcage. <laughs> Look, maybe maybe it's just something about that town that Hank Azaria thinks he has a chance because Ron Elder, of all people, is just... You know, just laying down pipe left and right, and just like going to to work on these people. But it's it's strange. Like that, I actually like had to play catch up on that. I'm like, wait a minute, are you you're telling me this woman, the Russell Crowe's wife, is like, there's a threat there. Hank Azaria is the threat. Uh, strange, uh, strange. It's just it's just a you know the stuff that it chooses to focus on. 
um, I just really disliked. And then the the things they introduced. It, it's I mean, it's in that regard, it is very similar to Happy Texas. I guess I guess when it comes to like these small town movies, um, I I think that they like you know they they hyper focus on like these sort of broader aspects when when and, and the same goes for Mumford you know go back to that episode when really you could mine a lot of comedy just in uh, like that bit you mentioned with Mike Myers when he's asked if they have a chance and it's like he's not even considered it like he's they're operating on two different levels there um yeah there there's stuff here but they just they just don't they don't go for it so uh you know it's not every day you get a varsity blues that's, i think that's it, what we should have known in episode one I think in general, I just, I appreciate Jay Roach's direction here. Uh, you know, he's a filmmaker that I think is underrated and I think his very direct and earnest approach here was the right approach. Not that I forgive all the problems in the script, you know, you know, there's, there's far too many subplots here. Like I'll admit that, you know, I'll totally admit that. But the film has enough earnestness and, and directness and honesty to, you know, if you were a sports movie fan, I could see you checking this out and, and uh, you know, and having a good time with it. So that's that's what my recommendation is based on. I'm going to say that you won't, dear listener. You will not have a good time with this. <laughs> so don't. Don't do it. You've listened to the episode. That's more than enough. We We gave you the highlight reel already. So uh, just move along to meet the parents. You know, just if you want to, Jay Roach, he got back on the horse and uh, the, delivered a true classic with that one. Is that it, Ben? I think that's it. I'm thinking of hints for uh, the next one to quiz you on. Okay. Uh, so, uh, um, so uh, big girls also don't do this. Oh, God. That's horrible, Ben. That's a great quote. That's a great uh, tra- um, hint. <laughs> Think of songs. Think of songs where <laughs> big girls don't. Yeah, you, what do they you, do? What do they not yeah, do? Yeah, you're. You know, you're referencing. They the, don't. The they don't cry. Uh, <laughs> so this is. Uh, yeah, this. That, that's that's horrible. Given that now, not, I've not seen this movie. Oh really? I've okay. Not, I've not seen this, uh, and for good reason because I'm. You know, I'm aware of this. You know, true life story. Some of the elements uh, that take place in it. Um, but yeah, you could have, you know, could have gone with the cure, but you went a different way musically, but, uh, boys don't cry. Is it Kimberly Pierce? Is that the director? Kimberly Pierce. And I, I saw it, but I haven't seen it in many years. It's been so long that I, that I basically have forgotten it. So, um, you know, uh, this will be practically a new watch for me. Cause I've, I've read some things as far as how it's aged. Um, and certainly when you get into, uh, 20 years later, um, I've, I've seen, I guess it's suddenly become like a controversial film, but at the time I know much like, I guess, chasing Amy, it was like progressive or it was embraced by the progressives at the time, but Definitely. now it's wild and hated, you know, uh, it's funny how that happens. Yeah. There's a, there's a William Friedkin movie called, uh, the boys in the band and it's based on a very famous play, uh, and, and very similar scenario. Uh, it, it, we, you know, was heralded at the time. Uh, you know, as being so forward-thinking and and you know and all that, uh, and and uh, and I've I've sat in classrooms where, where people just hate that play and and the movie, um, you know, and so uh, that would be an interesting thing for you to check out to compare with uh, Boys Don't Cry. Uh, saying that, I haven't really, you know, seen Boys Don't Cry in a long time. I mean, they probably have nothing in common. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, you're at least you're just directing at me and not our listeners to, to lead them astray. But uh, I guess, yeah, we'll see. That one will be – this will be interesting to discuss, I guess, in 2019 uh, terms. But I was the only reason I thought of that was I was like, oh, we're back on the horse of critically acclaimed films. But I had to yeah. check myself there. But at least in 1999, this was, uh, this was embraced. So uh, I'll see how I feel about it. First time watch. All right. And if you'd like to continue the conversation with us, feel free to do so on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at 99from99. Silly